This is the West Point Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us online this week. If you'd like to give or support West Point Church in any way, you can visit westpoint.org slash give. We hope you enjoy today's message and have a great rest of your week. Um, I'm going to talk about this morning Jesus as our judge. And uh, that might not be the most exciting and appealing topic to some of you. Who loves to be judged here? Anybody? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's, that's not necessarily something we think of when we think of something fun, but um, it's really important for us to understand that there will be a judgment, and each one of us will have to come to terms with that. And so that kind of led into this, this bigger conversation and maybe more complicated conversation of how that judgment takes place. And that's kind of what we'll get into on Tuesday night. But every Christian who believes the Bible and believes what it says, and believes that it's the authoritative word of God, has to recognize that there will be a judgment that some people have eternal life through Jesus Christ and others don't. In fact, uh, Scripture kind of tells us that the majority don't. That broad is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. So we need to understand that, that this is a matter of life and death. The reason that, that it's important is, is this judgment creates a sense of urgency in us. Right? It should motivate us to do something about the people in our lives that don't know Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, they are going to have to face that judgment unless they place their faith in Jesus Christ as well. So th- while this might not be maybe the most encouraging and exciting and, and heartwarming message this morning, can I tell you something for the believer? It's our hope. It's our encouragement. There's life in this. And, and for the unbeliever, it's motivation for us who know Christ to f- help them find him. So can we stand together as we recite this and say this together? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Uh, This morning, I, I have... Just, just to give you a heads up, I have very few notes, okay? That's a little dangerous, um, but I have a lot of scripture. So um, we, could, could somebody grab me a bottle of water? Maybe one of the, I, I'm, my throat is really scratchy this morning for some reason. Um, but we have, uh, we're going through this process of, of breaking down all these different statements, and the idea of Jesus as judge is, is kind of an intimidating one, but scripture has a lot to say about it. And so I don't have a lot of my words this morning. We're going to mostly rely on what scripture has to say. Um, and, and I want us to just look at a number of different passages this morning and 
there are going to be kind of four things that I want to highlight that are true throughout Scripture, that are kind of detailed throughout Scripture, and uh, we're going to be kind of breaking those things down. Um, I, I just want to be a little bit unfiltered this morning, too, so um, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily rely on what's written down here, but I, I want you to hear my heart in this as well. I also want to let you know, thank you so much. I want to let you know that I read a sermon by Charles Spurgeon on this uh, very topic, and you can find it online. It's available on there if you want to read through it yourself. That was an intimidating thing. I mean, if, if there is, I have a hero as far as a preacher goes, um, Charles Spurgeon was probably one of the greatest preachers that ever walked the face of this planet. And um, I mean, there's just so much in there, and it was, it was frankly, um, overwhelming for me. Um, but if, if you want to take a look at that, that's a great resource, some great thought behind that as well. All right, that's much better. Okay, um, let's start with, with our first conclusion here this morning. Is that one, that there will be a judgment and that Jesus will be our judge. All right, so we're going to start there. Um, that's what scripture tells us. Psalm chapter 9 uh, verse 7 and 8 says, But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He's established his throne for justice. He judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. Okay, so there's this standard um, that God has established. He sits on his throne forever, and he judges people according to righteousness. So obviously the question that we'll get into is, well, how do we become righteous? But before we do that, um, I want to look at specifically which part of the Trinity uh, is responsible for judgment. And Jesus tells us in John 5.22, these are his words, uh, the words that he spoke out of his own mouth. He said, for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Now, that, that kind of probably doesn't necessarily fit our picture of God. Like we think of God the Father as, as the one wearing the judge's robes, right? As, as the great and, and powerful, you know, creator. But he's, he's given that responsibility to Jesus. Jesus will ultimately be our judge. Second uh, Timothy 4.1, uh, Paul says it this way, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, right? That verse is where we get that phrase from in the Apostles' Creed, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So Jesus is ultimately the one that we will stand before as judge. Now, this is really important because uh, it, it really highlights, and, and it would have been even more important as, as the New Testament is being written and as the church really began with Jewish people, now you're saying that their judge isn't God the Father, who, who they kind of had a connection to historically, but ultimately they're not just saying Jesus is the only way to the Father. He's also your judge. He's the one who decides what your eternal destiny is going to be. So recognizing, and you can look throughout Scripture, there are many passages on this particular topic there are many passages that talk about the judgment that we're going to um, face as, as we come to the end of our life. 
Um, so recognizing there will be a judgment, there will be a day where we have to, we have to face Jesus and he will be our judge. Second thing to recognize is that there's only one path to a not guilty verdict. There's only one way to be declared innocent, to be declared righteous. I think Paul really spelled this out for us in the book of Romans. And if you have a Bible and you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 2, we're going to take a little bit of time this morning and uh, really evaluate what it means to be declared righteous, to be recognized as righteous by God. Uh, Romans chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 6. It says, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. And, and you know, like I said, this isn't maybe the most encouraging message in the world, but can I tell you something for the believer? This is it right here, verse 10. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. And while, they, while their conscience also hears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them, on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men, how? By Christ Jesus. Listen, our only hope, our only path to righteousness is through Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, we, we read in this passage that, that for thousands of years when the law existed and, and God's people were trying to follow the law, it wasn't hearing the law, it wasn't being a part of the nation of Israel that was ultimately their salvation. It was the keeping of that law that brought them to that place. And, and there were people outside that outside of, of the, the, the Jewish people, the Gentiles all around the world. And, and Paul was saying they didn't have hope either. See, the people who were under the law were judged by the law, and nobody could follow it perfectly. And the people that were outside that law didn't have hope either because the hope was in the law. But because Jesus Christ came to this earth and died his death, those who placed faith in him, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter, God shows no favoritism if you're willing to submit yourself and believe on Jesus Christ and place your faith in him. He will make you righteous. In fact, scripture tells us that 
he makes you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He puts that on you. So it's not that uh, it's just a better version of who you are. I mean, sometimes we think when we become Christians, that was what we become. We just become a slightly better version of what we used to be. God kind of does an upgrade and update. It's like a remodeling project. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I used to sin a lot. Now I just sin kind of a lot, <laughs> right? I, I, no, that's not what Jesus does for you. He takes your life, your sinfulness, your past, your history. He removes it from you as far as the east is from the west. He gives you a new spirit, and he gives you the righteousness of his son, Jesus. So now, when you stand someday in judgment, and Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see your mistakes, your failures, your flaws, even after you became a Christian and continued to make those mistakes. What he sees is the righteousness of Christ Jesus. God has given it to you. That's our hope. And, and that's what's incredible. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to discover it. We don't have to figure it out on our own. It's a free gift from God. And it's incredible. It's our hope. It's our joy. Um, the third thing is that uh, we will also be judged by the fruit of our lives. It's, it's not that what you do or what you don't do, as, as Scripture is very clear about, earns your salvation. Okay? I want you to understand this. You can't do enough good works. You can't do enough good things. You can't take care and love enough people to redeem yourself. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. But the fruit of your life reveals what's inside your heart. Okay, so um, Jesus told this parable of the sheep and the goats, and we're going to read it together in Matthew 25. Here's what he says. It says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Okay, so we're talking about people, sheep who are followers of Jesus Christ, goats, not so much. All right. Um, before him will be gathered all the nations to separate them as one shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. I want us to understand something. It wasn't these actions that saved them, but it was the transformation of what Jesus Christ did in their life that caused them to serve others. You know, when we're living for ourselves, all we think about is ourselves. We might do things for other people. 
uh, I know there are lots of um, unbelievers who are kind people who care about others, but, but ultimately the motivation behind that is different than if you're a believer. Because when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your life is no longer about you anymore. You die to yourself. You die to your past. You lay that down, and you choose to follow Christ instead. And that should cause us to shift the way that we see the world around us. It should cause us to change the way that we care about other people. Uh, so then he said to those on his left, and this is the part where it gets tough. He says, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he answered them, truly I say to you, you did not do it to the least of these. You don't do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Can I tell you something this morning that, that might be a little bit offensive? I'm going to do it anyway, so you can, just, you can just nod and pretend like you're with me. If you're living your life and that heart doesn't come out, then you need to ask yourself, is my faith really in Jesus Christ? Is my life really surrendered to him? If I see the needs of the world around me, and I don't even care, and all I think about is myself, is my faith really in Jesus Christ? Because if you placed your life in his hands and you've surrendered to him, then it should shift the way that you think about other people. It should shift the way that you care about others. And if it doesn't, then something inside you is off and something inside you is wrong. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have selfish moments. That doesn't mean that we still don't think about ourselves. That's our flesh battling against what Jesus has done in us. But there should be a transforming process. There should be a growth in that way. There should be a new desire and a hunger to help others and serve others. Because what Jesus has done for us has transformed who we are. It should move us. And, and what's inside our heart should be revealed by the way that we live our lives. Last thing this morning that I want to highlight is that our works will be judged. It's not just a matter of saved, not saved, hell, heaven, and we're done. No, there is another way that, that we are judged as believers. Um, how many of you have heard this, this picture or this idea before that one day we'll go to heaven and they'll have a big screen and they'll play back your entire life on that screen and all your sins and all your secret thoughts and all the things that you've done wrong in your life will be revealed for everyone to see. So you better live your life in a good way 
because someday you're going to pay for it. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't really fit what Scripture tells us about the way that Jesus forgives our sins. Right? If, if he takes our sins and casts them into a sea of forgetfulness, unless that sea of forgetfulness has a hard drive and it's storing it somewhere <laughs> to be played back later, I think we're missing the point. You know, the beauty of being forgiven is that Jesus takes our sin and throws it away from us, that it is no longer a part of who we are. So you don't have to worry about someday getting into heaven and having all your failures and sins replayed for the rest of the world to see. That's not forgiveness, right? If he's holding on to it to, to, to bring it back later, that's not forgiveness. You as a believer in Jesus Christ are forgiven. Your sin is gone forever. It's removed from you. But there are things that will be judged. And 1 Corinthians gives us a picture of what this will look like. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care. And he's, he's talking about the church in Corinth here. He's talking about what he's established here and how people are growing. And let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So it's, it's not just a matter of saved and not saved. There is eternal consequences for the way that we live our life, for the things that we build you know, it doesn't necessarily spell out in this passage what are the things that are going to last. But I think if we continue to read Paul's writing, it's in 1 Corinthians. It gives us a pretty clear picture of the things that matter and the things that are important. When you get to chapter 13, it talks about what's done in love versus what's done without that love. Right? He says, I, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I give everything I have to the poor, if I heal the sick, if I do all that but don't have love, it's not worth anything at all. But if those things are done in love, if they're done with the right heart, see, this is why your motivation matters, right? This is why what's inside of you and determining how you behave is more important than what you actually do. 
because the things that are done with the right heart are the things that are going to last for all eternity. And there will be a reward for that. To be recognized by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Is, is, there, is there a greater motivator for, for what we're doing here on this earth? One day I want what Scripture says, uh, what Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want him to say that to me. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what I've done has been done well. So I'm going to keep striving and keep working towards that. And as God gives me grace and as God shapes me and molds me and as he makes me more like him, I'm going to continue to walk in that favor and that blessing to see something built that will last. And, and can I just say something? It's, it's not just about your attitude either, right? You can do something out of love that you don't necessarily want to do. <laughs> we, we, Laura and I have joked in the past, like, well, we're doing it, but we have a bad attitude about it, so it's just going to burn up anyway, right? <laughs> but sometimes when you love people enough, you do things that you don't want to do. It's still done out of love, right? Serving others, laying down our life so that we can build something that will last. Can we have the worship team come on up one more time? And I just want us to, to close this service and, and worship one more time. You know, I'm so grateful that when I stand before the Father and before the Son and I'm there to present my defense that I don't need to use any lawyer tricks. I just say, hey, listen, my defense is Jesus. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't have any other excuses, right? I don't have anything else that's going to qualify me for eternity. But because of what Jesus has done, I have hope. And you know what? That makes me want to worship. That makes me want to praise. It makes me want to give what I have. And I want to build something that will last for all eternity, that will stand the test of time.